Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. What is up, Buff Nation? Welcome into the DMBR Buffs podcast. My name is Jake Schwanitz. We are presented by the American Raptors. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com. Get your free ticket for one of their rugby matches or go ahead and stream all of their games on that website. Again, that is AmericanRaptors.com. Today on the DNVR Buffs podcast, we are going to be recapping a pretty crazy weekend in the Pac-12 conference for football. Only nine teams in action, five games, one out-of-conference game, but some very eventful stuff that happened over the weekend. Before we get to that, though, I figured you guys are still riding off of that high from Saturday's win over Cal in Folsom Field. So I've cut up some clips from Saturday's post-game conference. You're going to hear from Mike Sanford. You're going to hear from Montana Lamonis Craig. You're going to hear from Josh chandler Semedo, Trevor Woods, and Anthony Hankerson. So we will get to that right off of the bat here, actually. The first clip that I'm going to play for you here is just from Mike Sanford's opening statement after the win. He opened up talking about Deion Smith's health and then transferred over onto his spiel for the postgame where we start right now. You know, this is all uh, for the players. This is all about the players. Um, This is all about their response, their resolve. Um, The stuff that I said here 10 days ago, everybody thought I was crazy um, when I talked about what an unbelievable group of uh, resilient fighters that we have in our locker room. Uh, I think everybody had a chance to see that on full display today. Um, I'm just really, uh, I'm really proud of these players. Uh, I told them after the game, you know, that's a great moment. Um, You know, it's it's a moment that we're going to celebrate. Um, but, you know, we talked about a fresh season, a new season. And, uh, you know, what I told them is the best part about being 1-0, which we are in our new season uh, post-bye week, um, you know, is that you have a chance to be 2-0. And, and that's where our attention turns uh, 24 hours from now. And, uh, and we're going to get back to work tomorrow and we're going to practice. Uh, we're going to add some Sunday work. And uh, we just got to keep our eyes straight ahead. Um, enjoy this. Uh, you know, it's one of those days that you'll never forget. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we got a job to do, and we believe in, in our abilities to go do that. And uh, that's where eyes uh, are going to be fixated on. It was obviously a very eventful last two weeks for Mike Sanford. And he talked about all the prep and all the work that went into getting this win with this answer here. Yeah, you know, this week was uh, was really interesting. I think starting back in, um, you know, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the bye week, there was so much work that had to be done. And I think I just uh, I just buried myself in the work and then. You know, I had, I had a chance to go recruiting in California. Uh, it's where I'm from. Uh, a lot of our players had a chance to touch base at home um, and, and reconnect with their roots. Um, you know, the, the joy of football. You know, for me, it was at Los Alamitos High School. Um, I was down in Southern California, and there was there was some really clear thinking that I was able to, to do with regards to where I wanted this program to go um, this, this coming game week, really. Um, and in, in doing so, you know, I, I, it was weird. Uh, over the course from really Thursday on, I've had, um, I would call them like just, you know, dreams or whatever. And I actually dreamt specifically about, about the, the student section rushing the field. And I, I really believed it. Um, I, I know that sounds crazy, but I really believe that. Um, I, I had, I had visions. It like going kind of in that like, l- like light sleep. I had visions of, of Montana making plays. I'm not, you know, I'm not obviously a, you know, saying I'm a prophet, but I just, there were, there were just a lot of visions of guys making plays. Um, and, uh, and I told the players about that. 
Um, and, and that wasn't a, that wasn't just a, a motivational tactic. I, I saw that. And my wife was asking me this morning, why, why are you not nervous? And I was like, I, I just believe. I believe in these players. I, I believe in the work they're putting in. Um, and, uh, and I had a piece about what we could do today. Uh, and I also have a piece about what we can do going forward. Um, and I, I'm just really excited to go back to work with these players and for them to understand that the process that we put in place, right, uh, process is always going to be greater than results, right? And what they believe in now is that the process yielded a result, right? And that's what this thing's about going forward is how we practice, um, how we go about our business on a daily life, um, how we care for our locker room. Like those things are really important and that process has to continue. Obviously, the defense, probably the story of the game coming out of that win. And Gerald Chapman at the center of it all. Here is Coach Sanford talking about Coach Chapman, the process, and his defense's performance overall. You know, I, I just, I believed in, 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 in Gerald. Um, Rick George believed in Gerald. Um, I knew that I believed in him because most importantly, if this is about the players, uh, I knew that they were going to rally behind him. And then I knew that, that our defensive staff was going to work together tirelessly to put our players in the best position and do so on a unified front. And that's what we saw. I mean, that was, it was a blast being on the defensive headsets. I mean, I, can't, I just can't imagine, you know, calling my first uh, defensive game uh, ever. I mean, like ever. I don't even know if he's called the scrimmage before. Um, but with that type of atmosphere, you know, sold out, fulsome, um, you know, there was, there was a lot of crowd noise. Like there were times I was trying to get the crowd to quiet down because the defense communication was a little, I was listening on the headset and it felt like you were out, you know, driving out east of Frederick where I live, you know, and you don't get any AM signal. So um, I was just proud of, most importantly, just how our players played. The, 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 how they flew around, the belief, like you saw it, it was tangible. Um, and I've known that was there since I got here in January. Like I looked at our defensive squad and I was like, we have some dudes here. Um, we have, you know, Jamar Montgomery, Guy Thomas. These are guys that, that, that I knew had the ability to make plays. Um, you know, Naeem Rodman, um, the linebackers, Quinn Perry, you know, T Lang, Chance Main. Like I, I see these guys. These are guys that I've, I've coached against these types of body types and athletes that I've coached against at the, at the highest level of my career. And I knew that these players were capable of doing that. It was just flipping the script in terms of their belief. Coach Sanford was then asked about his thoughts on the touchdown and what was going through his mind as the play was being reviewed on that Montana Lamonius Craig touchdown pass in overtime. I had no idea. I thought I was like clearly out of bounds. And, and, and frankly, you know, as a quarterback coach, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was mad at JT for, for leaving the ball out of bounds. I always tell him like the only thing you can't do in the red zone is throw the ball two or three yards out of bounds. Like if you just put it in that corner of the end zone, we call it the pie hole, then you at least give your receiver a chance to make a play. So my mind immediately went to quarterback coach mode and looked at it like, oh, he threw it a yard and a half out of bounds. And then some, I think it was Shannon Turley came up to me. He's like, Hey, that's a catch. And I was like, really? And, uh, and of course my, my mindset shifted immediately. Um, and, you know, what I believe is that today was a day where we got some breaks, but breaks don't come, you know, as a result of just luck. You know, breaks come because of in, in, in a will, um, a spirit, uh, the way you practice, the way that you go about it, and a belief. And I felt like those kinds of breaks that were made, um, I think, really came from the heart of our, of our players. Um, and I saw that. I was then able to ask Coach Sanford why the passing game was so effective Compared to previous weeks, they completed around 65% of their passes, and overall it just looked better. Here is what he had to say with a little joke off the top. Probably I was on the sideline. You know, it got me out of the box. No, I think it was a belief. I think that uh, what we saw in, in practice all, all week uh, and, and the, during the bye week is very competitive. I kept talking about we had very competitive periods. 
And when your defense and you're going good on good, and, and we are, we are, we all saw what the defense looked like, right? So I was talking about that defense and, 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 you know, we, not all of us had a chance to see that defense. Shoot, we were going against it and it was hard. And that's a good thing. Like when you can face a defense daily that's tough to move the football against as an offense, um, that helps you. It's like, it's like a donut on the bat, right? I felt like we, you know, we, we were, we were swinging with a donut on the bat. We stepped into the batter's box, shucked the donut, and we could go out and play ball. And that's exactly how championship football teams operate, is that it should feel very challenging against your own defense in practice. And then you get to game day and it's easier. Now, it wasn't easy. Cal's a good defense. They don't give up a whole lot of points minus one game. Um, you know, no, they held Notre Dame to 20, I believe. Um, they've played some really good teams, um, and they've held some teams under, under, you know, 20 points. So I was really pr- uh, just pleased with our just our overall response offensively and our resolve throughout the course of the game. Finally, we got Mike Sanford's thoughts on the trick play pass. Jordan Tyson and Montana Lamoni's Craig late in the game and the thought process that went into designing that play and who made the call. We had we had a couple uh, gadgets up our sleeve, you know, some of those uh, some of those you know JUCO gadgets that that come from Coach Patterson, um, some sm- some D two football um, down in South Texas. Um, so you know you're going to continue to explore all that. I like the timing of the call. You were a little bit, a bit honestly, we were in a bit of a rut at that point in time, and you know it wasn't, it wasn't wide open. It was it was players making plays, um, and you know Montana was phenomenal. Uh, just just love the way that he uh, just. You know, he embodied joy today in his play. Uh, I, I saw that from Montana, and he just continued to do it uh, throughout the course of the game. As I already mentioned, the defense was the story of the game. So here is Trevor Woods and Josh Chandler Semedo speaking about the transformation that their defense has gone under over the last couple of weeks. I mean, we're just – I mean, you – we've talked about it a bunch. And I kind of – I bet the buzzword is kind of like joy or uh, energy. You know, we – Coach Chapman, you know, he's standing up on the – Standing up on the bench, screaming to us, you know, just hyping us up all the time. You know, they're letting us, they're just letting us play free, and I mean, we're just having fun out there. Like, like that was the most fun I've had, I think, since I've been here. Like that game right there, that was, that was awesome, man. Shoot, going up, uh, basically, the, I forget the last time we were here. What was it last week? When I said we were gonna do some different things, basically simply, uh, simplify, do some different stunts, and really just allow us to play fast, eliminate all errors to where we could really just go out and just play. Like to where everything was on us and it showed we put the work in over the past two weeks to learn a new scheme in the show today. We then heard from Trevor Woods about that play on second down in overtime where he was able to create a pass breakup and basically save the game for the buffs. Uh, I mean, he, he kind of thought the same thing, too. You know, the, the pass was kind of lobbed because uh, that's not really where I was where I was covering at the time. So. I saw the ball just kind of lobbed in the air. He, you know, he didn't really make an effort to try and like go and get it or anything. So I uh, just tried to get over that. I punched it as hard as I could. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it was Nico or Ty, and I thought they were going to pick it off too, actually, off the house. Nico. Let's switch sides and hear from the offense now, particularly Montana, Lamonius, Craig, and how he knew that that catch in overtime in the end zone was a touchdown. Uh, to start off, I knew I was in on the touchdown. <laughs> I got up and told the ref, come on, give it to me, please. And, I mean, he did it, but we reviewed it, and they gave me the touchdown. And then, I mean, we needed this win, but I can say with this team, whether we're on 5 or 5 and 0, we always come with the work mentality. We always come ready to play. So, I mean, I love each and every one of you guys like my blood brother. And I'm just happy that we was able to go out there and get the job done today. Of course, Deion Smith went down with his injury in the second half. Here is freshman running back Anthony Hankerson on how he, the running backs room, and his team rallied around that injury and played for Dion. 
that gave us a lot of fire. Not gonna lie. Um, being that that's our brother, you know, Dion is one of the leaders on his team, and definitely one of the leaders on offense. And you know, we we hate to see that, but you know, uh, we thank God just for um, him keeping his hand on Dion. You know, we got a chance to talk to him and everything, but that kind of gave us a lot of fire. You know, our, our teammate, our brother that went that went down. You know, uh, we, nobody wanted to see that, and we 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 had to respond. It, it, there's no other choice. Finally, we hear from Montana Lamonius Craig one more time. He had only had five catches on the year going into this game. He, of course, had a tremendous performance and was the leading receiver for the Buffs in that Cal game. Eight receptions, 119 yards, and one touchdown. Here's Montana. I mean, I would say the ball just found me. It was really the same game plan, really. The base stuff we do is just the game where the ball found me. And I was able to take advantage of every opportunity that I had. There you have it, guys. That is everyone from the post-game press conference on Saturday after the win over Cal. It's, of course, not the entire press conference. If you want to hear more quotes and stuff, head on over to the CU Buffs YouTube page. They have the full press conference up there for you guys to listen and watch at your own pleasure. It was a near sold-out game. Actually, I think it might have been close to sold out uh, just before kickoff, about 24 hours or so, at Folsom Field. An absolutely raucous atmosphere from start to finish. And watching all you guys rush the field at the end was really cool. I hope you all enjoyed yourselves. If you couldn't get into the game this weekend, maybe next time try Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows, Buffs games included. I saw about 24 hours before kickoff, tickets were around that $45 to $50 range. Uh, So they have awesome deals going on all year for Buffs tickets. For Avs tickets, Broncos tickets, Nuggets tickets, whatever you guys need, a show at Red Rocks, whatever is going on, check out Game Time. They have some of the cheapest prices on the market, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love DMVR, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Also, shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL and the NBA with NBA season starting up very, very soon. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. They also have tons of stepped-up same-game parlays going on right now. We got to give out a pick of the week right now for DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm looking at the college lines, and I think I'm going to go to the big headlining Pac-12 matchup that we will definitely talk about as this week progresses, and that is going to be the top 10 matchup between UCLA and Oregon. UCLA plus six underdogs to Oregon. Oregon at home with Bo Nix, though, in their element. I still think the Bruins can keep this one close, potentially pull out a win even. So I like plus six on the weekend there. So you can check that out at DraftKings Sportsbook. Of course, tons of other great deals going on there. They I know they had a boost on Justin Herbert touchdown pass uh, from minus 800 to plus 100 uh, for Monday Night Football against the Broncos. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DMVR. Make $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. It's only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code DMVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. With that, let's get to the Pac-12 Week in Review because it was an absolutely insane week of football. 
only four games outside of this Buffs game that we're going to talk about. And we're going to start with the headliner, which was USC at Utah. USC at the time, the number seven team in the country, Utah, number 20 in the country at home in Salt Lake City, trying to defend home turf. USC got rolling early, though. Caleb had a huge run on third and eight and had tons of time surveying the field on that play. Takes off for a 55-yard run to get inside the Utah red zone. Travis Dye would punch it in from there. USC quickly went up 7-0, and it was a big game for Dalton Kincaid and the Utah Utes. Uh, Cam Rising found Kincaid early and often and was really clutch finding him late in the game. Rising was sharp early on. He led Utah to a 34-yard field goal that went wide left early. Uh, It looked kind of shaky at points for the Utes. USC responded, and they got close to the goal line where Addison just ran it in on a two-yard touchdown catch. It was 14-0 USC. And then Rising kept playing well, just stuck with it. Um, Was actually used in the run game quite often early, too. And that led to a Bernard touchdown run for the Utes. It was cut to 14-7. The next drive, Caleb would find Mario Williams for a 65-yard catch and run just at the start of uh, second quarter. That led to a crazy play where Caleb Williams like pirouetted out of a tackle and threw a touchdown pass. All of a sudden, it's 21-7 USC. It's really looking like an uphill climb for the Utes, but they just kept chipping away. And Rising responded with a bomb of his own to Money Parks for 45 yards and would eventually run the ball into the end zone, making it 21-14. Caleb then, another crazy play, running right and dropped a dime in the bucket to Mario Williams down the sideline. That led to another Caleb Williams touchdown pass. It was 28-14. Rising kept responding, though, and that was really the theme of this game was Utah rising, just keeping up, uh, not getting their head too low. I mean, they were down 28-14 at this point. This is when Rising found Kincaid uh, on a couple huge plays. And then it was a touchdown pass to Vele just before the half. That cut the lead to 28-21 to USC. Utah gets the ball after the half. Cam Rising leads him down the field, finds Dalton Kincaid for a touchdown. We're all tied up at 28 apiece. USC would respond. Caleb Williams found uh, his tight end Fallow on a touchdown pass, 35-28. Uh, Utah would take over. It was real back and forth until Utah finally got a stop on USC with a sack Um, And just as the fourth quarter started, Utah mounts a crazy drive, rising scores from one yard out. It's all tied up again, 35-35. But the USC offense, I mean, so much firepower. We talked about them throughout the season. Caleb Williams, again, a big throw to Mario Williams on first and 18 to get a first down. USC would then score on a screenplay to Michael Jackson III. He went up, or the Trojans rather, would go up 42-35. It looked like... USC was really riding the momentum, and all they just needed was a stop, and it was game over. But Cam Rising in Utah just kept getting up and throwing punches. This is when Dalton Kincaid really started to take over the game. It was late. Rising found him multiple times on their final drive, and it ended up in Rising running it in for a touchdown. It was 42-41. Utah decides to go for two. Cam Rising runs it in on a pass right up the middle. Final score, 43-42 Utah. Just an insane game in Salt Lake City. Offense off the charts for both teams. Caleb Williams finished the game 25 of 42, 381 passing yards and five touchdowns. Travis Dye, 11 carries, 76 yards and one touchdown. This wasn't really a Travis Dye game, obviously. It was a lot of scoring. Um, Not really so much as ball control as it was just trying to score and keep up. Big games from Mario Williams. Four receptions, 144 yards. 
145 yards, sorry, no touchdowns. Jordan Addison, seven receptions, 106 yards. He had a touchdown. On the Utah side, Cam Rising playing just fantastic football. Went 30 of 45, 415 yards, two touchdowns. He was also the leading rusher for the Utes, added 11 carries, 60 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground. And then Dalton Kincaid, the tight end for the Utes, filling in for Brant Keithy, who went out earlier in the year with an injury. 16 receptions, 234 yards, and one touchdown for Dalton Kincaid. Just absolutely fantastic stuff. Utah had four sacks on uh, Caleb Williams in that game. Utah, or I'm sorry, USC could not get any for themselves. It was a rather clean game in terms of turnovers, though. Um, Only one turnover, I believe. There was a fumble by Utah by Micah Bernard at one point. In terms of team stats, I mean, both teams went over 500 yards. Uh, 28 first downs for USC, 31 for Utah. It was just a track meet of a game, really entertaining to watch. Unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, we do have another big game for the Pac-12 in UCLA, Oregon this weekend. But that might have been the Pac-12's playoff hopes out the window with that one. We'll see if UCLA is able to win this weekend and sort of carry the banner for the conference. Moving on, we had two insane games, the first one being that USC-Utah game. But this next game, Arizona at Washington, was another back-and-forth barn burner. Just absolute chaos constantly. Final score is 49-39, to Washington beating the Huskies. It was back-and-forth for a while. We'll start from the very beginning, though. Jaden Delora was sacked, and Arizona went 3-and-out on their first drive. Washington immediately responds, aided by a couple penalties, and it ends in a 23-yard touchdown pass from Michael Penix to Jalen McMillan. 7-0 Huskies. Next drive, Arizona picked up a first down but were forced to punt in the next series after a big drop that would have converted a third and 11 for much more than that. Washington goes for it then. A lot of just aggressive play in this game, um, as you'll hear as we move through here. Uh, But Washington decides to go for it very early in the game from the Arizona 18-yard line in fourth and two. They do not get it. Arizona responds and takes the opportunity with both hands and gets a touchdown to tie it at seven apiece. It was Delora to Tatrio McMillan from 46 out. He is the four-star freshman receiver that Arizona has. He looks to be an absolute beast. It was a drag route, broke a tackle, 46-yard catch and run. Uh, Definitely keep an eye out for him. Michael Penix in Washington responded, though. Penix finds uh, finds Jalen Polk for 45 yards, and a handful of plays later, it's a one-yard touchdown run. Utah, or sorry, Washington jumps out to a 14-7 lead. A few drives later, midway through the second quarter, Washington goes for it again from midfield on fourth and one, and again they don't get it. Uh, Same thing for Arizona in the next drive. They run an option just inside the 10-yard line, and the pitch lands on the ground. It was called incomplete. It was an awful call. It was clearly a lateral and even moving a bit backwards. The refs called it incomplete, though. That completely destroyed that drive, of course, being fourth down. Towards the end of the second quarter, though, uh, Delora had a 39-yard bomb touchdown to Singer that made it 14-14 and Penix followed it up with one of his masterful drives that he's been able to do just looking so surgical and precise throwing the football led his team to a touchdown before the half ends it was 21-14 Washington Arizona then starts the second half with an onside kick Washington gets it and scores in two plays a double whammy for the Wildcats Penix hits Rome Odunze from 45 yards out to quickly go up 28-14 they score at the end of the half and at the very beginning of the half A 14-point swing there with not much that Arizona could really do. Uh, They kind of shot themselves in the foot with that onside kick, to be completely honest. Arizona would would eventually respond, though. They had four plays 
um, to get another touchdown. A DPI and a roughing the passer call moved the ball deep into Washington territory. Ended in a three-yard run from Jonah Coleman. It was 28-21 Washington at that point. But panics kept on coming, man. He led another touchdown drive. It was nine plays, 77 yards, and ended up running it out, uh, running it in from eight yards out for Washington to go up 35-21. Arizona starting to see Washington pull away at this point. Arizona couldn't really match the, t- the touchdowns uh, tap for tap with Washington. They had to settle for a field goal um, later on from 48 yards out. That made the game 35-24. to And then Michael Penix just kept dealing. It was was definitely a bounce-back performance for him this week. He had another beautiful throw hitting the out and up from 38 yards out down the sideline for a touchdown. It was called back on a hold, unfortunately. No big deal. Penix just goes and throws a 48-yard bomb to Odunze the very next play. 42-24 Huskies. Start of the fourth quarter, uh, the Wildcats and Delora responded with Delora tucking and running on a fourth and six. He would then end that drive with a 20-yard touchdown pass to tie, to his tight end, uh, McLaughlin, making the score 42-31. to 31. Arizona, I mean, credit to them. They were clawing back in this game, but I think just too many mistakes and just bad offense early on. Not being able to keep up with Washington's scoring really doomed them in this one. Washington quickly got into Arizona territory in the fourth quarter. Uh, the drive stalled outside the red zone, but they settled for a 47-yard field goal and miss it. Arizona then finds... Some momentum and just such a resilient drive here as they march down the field in four plays and score on a 26-yard touchdown from De- from Delora to McMillan. His second touchdown of the game, just stud stuff. A bit controversial on the catch, um, but in college football, I think that was an easy catch. Two-point conversion is good. All of a sudden, we have a three-point game, 42-39, to but Michael Penix would wave his finger in the face of Arizona and say, no more. He had a clutch drive to put the game out of reach late. Drive ended in a 19-yard touchdown run from Cameron, Cameron Davis. That gave us the final score, 49-39. to A great day of passing for both quarterbacks. Michael Penix, though, 36-44, of 516 yards and four touchdowns. Not really much going on the ground game for Washington. But Romo Dunze, again, another huge game. Nine receptions, 169 yards, two touchdowns. On the Arizona side, Jaden Delora, 25 of 34, 400 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Jonah Coleman, the leading rusher for the Wildcats, 14 carries, 53 yards and a touch. Jaden Delora added 13 carries for 41 yards himself. Tetrioa McMillan, seven receptions, 132 yards and two touchdowns. Potentially the Pac-12 freshman of the year if he's able to keep this rate up. Jacob Cowing. Somewhat of a quiet game for him. He still had seven receptions for 94 yards, just none of those massive explosive plays. He did have a 39-yard catch, but nothing that would end up factoring into the score of this football game. All right, and with that, we are going to get into some of these more, uh, I don't want to say, but boring games, I guess, in the Pac-12. I mean, we had those two real just firework shows um, from both of those teams. But then the other games were just, I mean, frankly, some duds and just bad football. We're going to start. Um, let's go to Washington State, Oregon State. Oregon State, the Buffs' next opponent this weekend, a team that has looked really good at times and looked good in flashes again. They still are having some offensive consistency problems at quarterback, and that ultimately may be their downfall. Um, and what could ruin a pretty good year to this point. Into the game, though, Oregon State started with a powerful and balanced drive to start the game. It was capped off by a Jack Coletto run from one yard out. 
Jack Coletto, the linebacker, who comes in and kind of plays wildcat. We will definitely talk about him this week. He's going to be a factor. Early 7-0 lead for the Beavers. Washington State, though, not much going in the first quarter at all. They had two three-and-outs followed by punts. Um, before that last three-and-out, in between those three-and-outs, Oregon State, second drive, ends in the goal. Branson interception. Washington State just not able to manufacture much. Um, after their second three and out, uh, Oregon State gets a big play from Gold Branson to Jack Vailing for 32 yards, along with some good runs to get a field goal that brings the score to 10-0. The Cougars would respond with a field goal of their own, finally finding some offense. It was 10-3, but Oregon State defense was very stingy, and they did not allow Ward to get cooking at all, really. Every, every Wash, uh, Washington State drive but the field goal ended in a punt or was the end of the half in the first half. It was just brutal stuff offensively from the Krugers. The scoring would open up in the second half, though. Uh, inside the red zone, Branson would find he had a little wild kind of Caleb Williams play of his own. Um, he ends up finding, I think, Anthony Gould in the back of the end zone on a play where Branson rolls out to his left and throws back across 17 yards out, hits Gould for the touchdown, 17-3 Beavers. Ward and the Cougars would respond, however. Robert Farrell, the wide receiver for Washington State, was really starting to make plays at this point. Um, he had a 30-yard play to get them inside the 10. And there was a 9-yard pass, rather, Cam Ward to Jalen Jenkins, that would bring the game a bit closer. And Oregon State would respond right away, though. They were led by a run of 10 from Fenwick and 50 by Martinez. Two Jack Coletto goal line runs later leads to a touchdown leaving us to our final score of 24 to 10. The Beavers really in command of this one from the get-go. It wasn't very close. Uh, the next game, the final game we'll talk about, was really close, but this was probably the worst game of the weekend from a Pac-12 standpoint. Um, it was the Stanford Cardinal traveling to Notre Dame, a rivalry game out of conference, somewhat entertaining, but really just some bad football, most notably from Notre Dame. They started three and out. Stanford marches 66 yards in eight plays to take an early lead. McKee, again, was looking really nice early on. He went three of four for 47 yards on that first drive. Casey Filkins had some complimentary runs along the way, including the two-yard touchdown on that drive. Stanford up 7-0 early. Notre Dame really struggled on their second drive to muster up any type of offense. They get a punt blocked on Stanford's next drive. They work the ball into the red zone with the short field, go for it on fourth and two from the five, and do not get it. Stanford sniffs out a reverse that was called on that fourth down play. Stanford's defense, um, a couple drives later, forces a fumble before the end of the half and are able to give themselves a chance at a field goal as the first half runs out. Two punts to start the second half, but Stanford gets another field goal. It's 13 to nothing all of a sudden, and then the Irish would start to wake up. They finally mount a drive and score a touchdown uh, just after that field goal. It was a 10-yard run from Audric Esteem. Uh, Stanford then goes for it on a fourth and two just across midfield, but Notre Dame stops them. Start of the fourth quarter, though, Notre Dame offense responds with another touchdown drive. It was Drew Pine's best throw of the night. It's down the middle of the field, hits Tobias Merriweather, Merriweather for a 41-yard touchdown pass. Uh, Stanford would then drive 10 plays, 51 yards, and hit another field goal to take a 16-14 lead. That was basically it after that one. I mean, Notre Dame had some momentum after that field goal. It was late in the fourth quarter at this point and looked to be on another good drive to score. Um, but Esteem fumbles the ball, gives it back to Stanford. There is one final chance at the very end of the fourth quarter for Notre Dame to make a run and potentially steal this game. 
But the pass is broken up on a fourth and eight. Stanford runs out the clock and win the game. A huge win for the Cardinal. Uh, it would be a bigger win for the Pac-12 too, but Notre Dame just not very fierce at all this year. They are 3-3 three and three on the season. Losses to Ohio State in the opener. Losses to Marshall. Struggled against Cal. Was in a barn burner against North Carolina. They beat BYU a couple weeks ago, but Stanford gets the best of them here. All right, guys. That is going to do it for today's show. Hopefully, hopefully you all enjoyed this one. A little bit of a longer one for you. We will be back on Wednesday doing our Buffs live show. Should be another good one. Make sure you tune in. Stay tuned to the Twitters. My Twitter at JakeDMVR and the Beat Twitter at DMVR underscore Buffs. Tons of stuff going on in both of those throughout the week, as always. Until Wednesday, guys, let's go Buffs.